AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Is this what holiday trade feels like? You know, I think this is what it feels like. I know there was some price movement, but with elevated prices, there has to be some day-to-day movement, right? Cattle futures slipped to the downside and hogs were mixed with prices locked in a sideways pattern. Live from Double Down on 11 Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Jim Empter from the Van On Company. I'm Handsome Newsman. Uh, uh, Mr. President, can, can you outline my legal status? You're pardoned, and so are you, Chip. Now welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. Excellent. Excellent. It's almost <laughs> like a free ride. <laughs> yes. That is punching the ticket before we even need to punch it. Good work. Good work, Davis. We'll just keep wow. that in our back pocket. Let's, yeah, that's a get out of jail free card right there. Absolutely it is. <laughs> past crimes, Welcome. not future crimes. It's past oh, crimes. What? He didn't he no. didn't specify. No, he very did not vague. specify that. Yeah. That is not time stamped. There is no date mentioned. Uh, that is just good to use whenever it is mm-hmm. needed. Mm-hmm. Well played, Davis. Well played. <laughs> well played. That's enough out of you, Big Apple Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay, welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. We've got a conversation with Jim Emter coming our way today. I'm looking forward to that conversation. It's uh, it, it, it's always a good one when we get Jim in here. Thinker. So be prepared. Uh, there are some thoughts that uh, that Jim and I are going to discuss about what's going on in these markets that I think you're going to find very interesting and, and may influence your marketing decisions, your risk management strategies going forward. As, uh, Jim's got some work done on the seasonals in these markets, uh, Davis, that, that we want to spend a little bit of time with, no doubt about that. So how's the weather your way? Uh, it's really good. Really good, yeah. actually. The sun is shining. Um, yeah. I woke up this morning and just felt like, oh, there's something in the air. Yeah, 59 degrees right now, and it feels wow. like 59. So the wow. spreads are right where we want them. Gorgeous wow. day here. Gorgeous yeah. in the southern outpost. How how are things way up yonder we're, in the north country? Yeah, we're not going to quite get to 50 degrees today, but we're sitting here at 48 degrees. I mm-hmm. can see snow melting. Okay. That's a good sign. Okay, yeah. I'm going to take that. Yeah, sounds like an exciting full day if you're sitting watching the snow melt. (laughs) Well, I could also, you know, we could also look at at Saudi Arabia Uh beating Argentina. Okay, yes. (laughs) In the World Cup. Uh Uh, France and Australia seem to be locked in quite the battle. In Europe, I I hear they call it football. Football. Yeah. Uh Yeah. No, we call it soccer. Mm Mm-hmm. Sacker. Sacker. 
Now, is that something right. I can get arrested for, Your uh, Your Grace? Your pardon, and so are you, Chip. Well, there we go. See, we're in the clip. <laughs> it's working already. It's working already, man. Let's get to the news. Downside momentum is slowly building in wheat futures. March SRW futures posted a third consecutive close below one-time support at 825. It's the lowest close since August 25. Similar price action has been seen in March hard red futures, but poor crop conditions continue to limit selling interest in the HRW market. USDA rated 32% of the hard red crop in good to excellent condition as of Sunday. That's unchanged from the previous week, Chip. The crop rated poor to very poor is the real story, up one point from last week to 33%. While crop concerns should limit selling pressure, traders say a lack of export demand for U.S. wheat has allowed prices to drift lower. March hard red winter wheat futures 10 and 3 quarter cents lower, 9.12. March soft red wheat down 7 and 3 quarter cents, 8.10 and 1 half. March spring wheat closed at 9.50 and 1 quarter, down 3 and a half today. Okay, Brian Grady and his team at Pro Farmer put together the Pro Farmer Crop Condition Index. They've been doing it all season long for corn and soybeans. Uh, and here it is with wheat. They've been doing it this fall for wheat. But just to give you an example of how tough this winter wheat crop is, we had that one-point increase in the crop rated poor to very poor, and the HRW crop index rating, which is 0 to 500, mm-hmm. 0 being a complete failure, 500 being perfect, it fell 1.7 points to 269 points, which is 70.6 points below the five-year average for this Ooh. time of the year, Davis. That hurts. I, it's just, oh, it's tough, tough, tough. Barely describes the HRW crop. Well, March corn futures have established 660 as a critical support level, and today's challenge of that support opens downside risk to last week's low of 653 and one half. If that support level is broken, chart watchers see downside risk to the bottom of the August 23 upside gap at 638. Drought conditions in Argentina are helping to hold old crop corn prices above 650, but traders continue to warn a lack of export demand could send prices lower. The threat of a rail workers' strike and disruptions to the logistics of the ethanol market also has the corn market on the defensive during this holiday-shortened week. March corn futures four and one quarter cents lower, six fifty-nine and one quarter. May corn down three and three quarters, six fifty-eight and three quarters. July corn futures closed at six fifty-three and three quarters, down three and a half cents. Yeah, I don't know if you can say that the downside momentum is building in a market that is just kind of drifting to the downside, mm-hmm. but I don't see anything that's going to get in the way of this drift either, not right now. Well, crude oil prices are higher, helping soybean oil prices work to the upside, but lower soybean meal prices and the lack of bullish headlines for the grain markets allowed bean prices to slide to the downside. Brazilian growing conditions are supporting lofty crop expectations Although some crop watchers point to expanding areas of dry conditions and the need for timely rains in northern production areas. January bean futures opened to slightly lower, then tried to rally before falling back to close near session lows. Still, front month beans are back in the sideways trading range between 1425 and 1450. January beans seven cents lower, 1429 and three quarters. March beans down five and a quarter, 1436 and one half. July soybeans closed at 1446. That's down four and three quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, some spread push and pull in the product markets between soybean meal and soybean oil. Mm-hmm. I, I, you can't say with beans and nickel lower that they were caught in the middle of all that, but not a lot of price action today.
Well, March cotton was 264 points higher, 82.42. On the livestock side, February fat cattle futures traded into yesterday's upside price gap. But the bottom of that gap at 156.12 and a half continues to provide support for prices. Tightening supplies of market-ready cattle are expected to support cash bids for the near term, helping to limit selling interest in cattle futures. February live cattle, 30 cents lower, 156.42 and a half. April fats, down 22 and a half, 159.90. January feeder futures, 95 cents lower, 181.67 and one half. And on the snout side, February lean hog futures are tethered to $90 and showing no sign of trending from that pivotal price in the near term. February hogs, seven and one half cents lower at 90.07 and one half. April hogs gained seven and one half cents to 95.55. Chip. All right, Davis. Yeah, the U.S. dollar index more than 600 points lower here today, but okay. that lower yeah. dollar isn't doing a whole lot to help out these export, um, you know, minded markets and especially the cotton market. Uh, that we were higher today, but there's all kinds of concerns over what a global recession and a shutdown in China might mean for that cotton market going forward. All right, Davis, thank you so much. You Coming up next, right here on AgriTalk, we're going to get into a conversation with today's guest analyst, Jim Emter from Van On Company, next, here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Chip, I can tell you from experience, uh, you can spend as much time as you want crafting a brass monkey, but brass you can't bring monkey, it to life. Monkey, it just, it just won't perform. Monkey, How is your brass work? It's actually, it's in full swing. Really? You know, once, once I get it mixed with my alchemy uh, set that I bought off Amazon.com, I'm. Well, you're not going to see me here anymore. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, I hate to but see until you go, then. but but if you're looking for investors, that sounds great. That sounds great. You know, and hey, we can oh, you know, if people wonder, you know, what is the value? What is mm-hmm. what is the real value mm-hmm. of this alchemy gold thing that Davis has come up with? Yeah, we can say, hey, listen, listen. The value is whatever you know, the next person is willing to pay. That's the thing. Two weeks ago, somebody somebody offered me sixty grand for a brass monkey. Yeah. This week, it ain't worth six cents. 
it really i don't get it it's the exact same product it could be that you've been found out there brass monkey Ooh. i wonder if i can get i wonder if i can get in trouble for that your partner so are you chip okay yes it comes again (laughs) i swear i'm not gonna wear that out but it's just too perfect (laughs) it's way too good Way too good. <laughs> Welcome back to Agri Talk. I don't Woo-hoo! know if we were talking about brass monkeys there or not. Hmm, makes you we think. It was almost been, allegorical, wasn't it, Chip? It might have been. Mm. Might have been. Jim Emter is with Van On <laughs> Company. He's our guest analyst today. Jim. Welcome back to the chaos. How are you, my friend? Hey, looking forward to it. Doing great here. It sounds like you guys are doing real well. So you bet. We'll just keep it flowing. So yeah, absolutely. How'd harvest wrap up for you guys up there? Really well. I mean, this has been one of the best harvest windows we have seen up here in the heart of the Corn Belt, Alexandria, Minnesota. You guys can locate it on the map and laugh laugh with us. But um, <laughs> boy, I tell you what, everybody's exhausted up here. Um, literally as we come into Thanksgiving, we've had, uh, years where there was a lot of crops still in the field and they had to come and harvest it through the winter months. And, uh, literally we had 28 days of perfect weather and, uh, these guys are trying to catch up and, uh, refocus and get recharged. Yeah. Jim, I had, I was talking with the producer this morning and he gave me what I thought was a really telling line. They started harvest and didn't get a raindrop on the combine. Yeah. Oh, it's, and that's, what's crazy. We had maybe one uh, little sprinkle in between there here in Alexandria, but uh, otherwise it's, uh, you know, you want to see the rain as you come in uh, before winter to recharge that soil moisture a little bit, but in regards to harvest, it couldn't have been any better. And like I said, we were able to get it off and now we're sitting here with somewhere between six and 10 inches of snow. And I think guys appreciate now how big a window we had to get it done. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, before we get to what's going on in the futures market, what's your cash market doing up that way? Getting strong. I mean, when you see Mankato basis going 60 over right now, uh, that's something. So the processor's got good profit margins and that crush margin right now. Uh, So 60 over out of the beans and we're seeing corn start to come to life. Uh, You start to hear of these over basis levels start to show up here again. And that's encouraging to see from the producer standpoint, but from the user standpoint, a lot of nervousness here. How aggressive do we be? You know, do we see a change as we approach the new year? A lot of good cash flow sitting in farmers' bank accounts right now as we transition to the new year. There's a lot of debt that needs to be paid uh, by the producers. So uh, that transition, they're trying to balance out. And we're seeing anywhere from uh, 10 under basis levels all the way to 30, 40 over start to show up here. And I think that trend, at least for the near term, will continue until we get into the new year. Wow. I, I mean, those are some really attractive uh, base. We'll talk about more how more about how to use those basis levels as, as we go through the conversation. Okay, here we are, huh? Holiday trade. Is this what it looks like? Is this what it feels like? This is what it feels like. This is what it is. And unfortunately, uh, you can get those surprises, but it's what everybody longs for. We've kind of been lulled to sleep here. Uh, you guys have talked about these range bound markets and we're stuck. Uh, until we get a story. I mean, you saw the excitement from the bulls on the Poland story. Um, You know, then the market kind of retreats back as we get the uh, correct information. Not even sure we still have the correct information, but at least it's information that's tempered. And uh, the market's longing for that next story and we consolidate and consolidate and uh, we just got to be ready when it moves, Chip. But for right now, the bear looks like it's going to get its Thanksgiving. One can only hope that the bull gets his uh, Christmas and uh, we'll try to move forward with that corny uh, tagline. So, yeah, yeah. You know, talking about the, the the price action since those two missiles landed in Poland. 
March corn hasn't been outside of the trading range that was established that day. No, and that's and that's the whole thing. It just shows, you know, the the longing and the need, but also the lack of commitment the market's got. I mean, that was a big day. We were on the verge of breaking down. Market reverses, uh, gets to the top side, and we set that outside day. Bulls get a little bit excited, but have no carry through uh, because they too are longing for a story. There's just we've got a lot of weak need bulls and bears right now, and we got a lot of people that don't want to take on a position right now. And we're going to talk about that possibly a bit later, but that's having an impact on volatility within the option realm. So we just got to keep looking to this, being ready to react. And that's why, you know, we've talked about this before, Chip, on it with you guys. You know, we've got those targets above here at Van Onnen Company. We've got those stop alarms or key areas below. And we just try to defend accordingly. And, and, you know, we don't try to pretend we know more than we do. We try to get the facts from a fundamental, technical, and seasonal and money flow component. We make the decisions off those price counts and then try to alter from there as best we can. Okay. Talking about, you brought it up, and this is part of the seasonals that I wanted to talk about, and you've got some great work uh, that you sent my way, and I want to get into some of the details of that right now if we can. But the bear gets Thanksgiving, does the bull get Christmas? Is that typically how it works? It's a toss-up. It's an old saying that's been around a while. You know, you've seen some correlation back and forth, but I'm not going to place... I'm not going to place my bets on that being the, the circumstance, but if you come back to the seasonals where we can at least put some numbers behind it, yeah, generally speaking, we see the tendency for corn, soybeans, uh, we begin to see crude oil start to base bottom. I mean, we're past harvest. Generally, again, the markets try to correct from a base bottom, and I think that's a difficulty a lot of analysts are struggling with as we get that bottom in July, August. Now we're sitting here in corn on a reasonable rally trying to make sense of how big of this how big is this market beyond seven dollars what is 660 you know you talked about your 650 638 you got those 610s down there uh, that we're very attentive to and you got to try to summarize and say all right what are we in what do we got and is this really a seasonal bottom no we we got that earlier so I like the tendency on looking at the seasonals, but we've got to make it far bigger than that and say to ourselves, all right, if we get below 650, are we willing to see risk down to 638 to 610? Because I think that's the next major support level. And if you are okay with that type of risk, then maybe you don't need to be doing something there. If you're going to lose sleep over that risk, potentially snowballing into more, then you've got to be defensive here within that posture on trying to use either these levels or better levels when we get those opportunities. And that's where we tell a lot of our producers, get your orders working because you don't know when the next Poland story will come. And you don't know if you can be quick enough to react to it when it does come. So. I do like the seasonal tendency on building out of here, Chip, but I think you said it best uh, when we were getting our market summaries. We need a catalyst right now. And what's that catalyst going to be? Is it going to be better demand ahead as our export market takes shape in January, February, March? Is that better catalyst going to be a circumstance of the unknown (laughs) coming into the market? Uh, You know, another issue over in Russia, something else. And we just need to be attentive to those circumstances. So, yeah, that that was Davis's black swan right there. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Black swan alert. Black swan alert, everybody. You up there in Alexandria, Minnesota, I know that you know exactly what that was. I'm trying to convince him that that is not a black swan, that that is, in fact, a loon. That's a loon. loon. (laughs) That's a loon. Uh, A loon sounds like this. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. This is a whole lot of confusion that we deal with every day here, Jim. Um, But (laughs) the the black swan thing is something that you've got to keep in mind as when, when you're looking at the opportunities for 
lacking in profits that we've got. Oh, correct. Especially with the strong basis levels. And that's, we're trying to get our producers to understand you can take that battle other places. When you've got a flat market, no carry in the market, strong basis levels, and you start seeing free DP on the horizon, which we're starting to hear up here, Chip, that's got to be a warning flare to start to pay attention to the cash market saying, they want my crop now. I'm going to go after the bird in hand. The two in the bush might be there, it might not, but we're going to come in and let that unfold other ways. And, and you always got to be careful talking about call options and re-ownership uh, just due to the disclaimers and circumstances we work within. But in a flat market, when you can get July bought at a potential discount and you can sell cash in a strong market, the unknowns will unfold. They'll make you feel like a hero or an idiot, but there's ways to hedge off that risk. And that's right. where we want to kind of come, come to grips with the market. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There are ways to manage the unknowns and there's a proper time to manage those unknowns. It today may not be the day. Today may exactly. just be the yep. day to capture that basis, to capture the flat price, to make a cash sale and then hold off and wait for the for the market to tell you, "Listen, you've got some additional risk in here that you need to manage now," right? Yep, no, and that's and that's where those price counts come into play is saying, "Hey, I'm going to reflect that 640, 650 level as a key, or 650 to be exact, as a key support. But we're going to target 687, 707, maybe 717, and try to see if we can't get that done. Gotcha. Gotcha. The conversation is flying by. Good grief. Can't believe that we're already to the end of this segment. Jim Emter, Van On Company, is our guest analyst today. We've got a lot of ground to cover. We'll do that next with Jim. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Beijing has shut parks, malls, and museums while more Chinese cities resumed mass testing for COVID-19. Analysts are cutting forecasts for China's year-end oil demand. Saudi Arabia and other OPEC oil producers are discussing boosting oil output. One of the two largest railroads unions said yesterday it had rejected a new labor deal brokered by the White House inching closer to a strike. The Wall Street Journal says investors looking for signs that central banks are starting to ease off aggressive rate increases should look to emerging market central banks rather than the Fed, particularly those in South America. And cash cattle trade averaged 152.89 last week, up 18 cents from the previous week and a new high for the year, the highest since 2015. News of notice taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com.
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this afternoon for a conversation with guest analyst Jim Emter, Van On Company. Before we get back to Jim Davis, go ahead and give us a recap of where the market's closed. Chip, March HRW wheat futures were 10 and three quarter cents lower today at 912. March soft red wheat down seven and three quarter cents to 810 and one half. March corn futures were four and one quarter cents lower at 659 and one quarter. July corn futures closed at 653 and three quarters, down three and one half cents. January soybean futures, seven cents lower, 1429 and three quarters. July soybeans closed at 1446, down four and three quarters cents. March cotton, 264 points higher, 82 and 42. On the livestock side, February fat cattle were 30 cents lower, 156.42 and one half. January feeders, 95 cents lower, 181.67 and one half. In February, lean hog futures seven and one half cents lower, ninety oh seven and one half. Chip, that's your quick market recap. Back over to you. All right, thank you, Davis. Okay, hey, Jim Emter is our guest analyst today, Van On Company. Jim, uh, we covered a lot of ground. Thanks for doing that, but I've got a lot of ground that I want to cover with you yet uh, in in this segment. So I'm going to try to stick to notes a little bit better here. Talk to me about cor- the the cattle and hog trade. What are you? What's your take about what's going on in livestock? Well, I think the biggest thing to realize is unlike the grains where corn, wheat are on the lower end perspective right now, you've got the cattle and hogs particularly at the higher end. You know, we've kind of built out of some key support areas for uh, the December and February live cattle. We're trying to get up and get these first price counts for December, which is going to become a nil and void contract pretty quick at around 155. But if you start looking at that February live cattle, uh, that 158 area is a key area. That is a second price count for us. The next price count after that is upwards of 164. And while I'm not going to deny that we might be able to get there with some of the tight dynamics, we saw a good placement number for the bull off the cattle side of the equation. I think there's some importance to try to take some risk off near that 158 level off those fab cattle. As you look to the uh, summer months and deferred there too, you're starting to see some premiums build out there with December of 23 going into some new high contracts, a little bit of reversal back today. Uh, But this cattle market is starting to grab onto some of these holes that exist within the market. We're still trying to fight through some liquidation factors that exist due to the drought. Yep. Uh, but yep. this cattle market's got a story down the road, Chip. Yeah. Well, I think the hog market does too on the supply side. Everybody seems to be in agreement that supply is not going to be overwhelming uh, for cattle or for hogs going forward. It's just a question of whether or not the demand side can hold up, right? Exactly right. And that and that comes back to the economy, which I think we'll get to here in a minute. But when you look to yeah. that hog market, the biggest thing that gets my attention is not so much the lead contracts. You've got a healthier looking chart there. You're holding at what we call our VPOC, which is a big volume profile. That's right around that 8908 area. And so for Feb, that's a key area to hold. If we start to violate that, you start to take out some major moving averages as well if we get into that area. So what concerns me a little bit is if you look since August, every single high that we've gotten, Chip, is just a little bit lower. And so that gets our attention. And there's an RSI indicator we watch called negative or positive divergence. When you start seeing higher highs develop, 
and the RSI isn't able to get over that 70 bar or able to build higher than the previous highs, you want to start to get alarmed. And that's happening out in the deferred. So if you look at the June contract, we're into new highs out there, but our RSI has not been able to crack that 70 bar. And that's just a little bit of alarm to say for our producers, hey, time to get marketing a little bit, time to manage some risk with these prices. Maybe we can go get those 118 to 130 price counts down the road. But at least for right now, trying to protect profitability is a key for us in the hog market. Well, in those summer contracts, being at a $20 premium to what we've got right now, it, some of the supply stuff is already, it, it's got to be factored into those markets. It is. And that's yeah. the whole key. If, if you look to this year over year, you're, you're typically got some of those things baked in. But, you know, with PERS and uncertainty here the last couple yep. of years yep. and yep. adding to the dynamics, Chip, I mean, we're one story away from, uh, you know, a make or break at any time. You know, cue the black swan music or the loon music if we want to go that route. <laughs> but overall, you know, hey, there it is. <laughs> we, we just got to look at these price structures and say, hey, as we trade up to a 1.2 standard deviation away from linear aggression and hogs, just time to manage some risk a little bit in those summer months. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good stuff, man. Um, okay, let's talk about those outside markets and uh, get us ready for the Fed minutes that are coming tomorrow. What do we need to watch for? Well, I think the first and foremost thing is let's look back to history a little bit and just try to do a quick summary here. We've got a lot of rate hikes, four to be exact here of 75 basis points. We had a 50 prior to that and a 25 prior to that. That basically culminates us from March to where we are right now. The tone has been hawkish on any meeting that we've really heard or discussed. So what that means is I believe the Fed is targeting a five to six percent Fed fund rate. I think that's where we're going. So we've got another point to two points coming from our vantage point, and that could be in the form of a half to three quarters in this December actual meeting. Let's not forget that morning of the 13th, we have a CPI index coming out as well in December. And then we've got the Jan, Jan 31st of Feb 1, March 21st, 22nd, May 2nd and 3rd. And I believe through those meetings, you're going to see another half to three quarters rate hike, but it's going to be slowed more of a quarter to half base uh, from that point forward. We'll get into that five to 6%. I think that's the race the Fed wants to run right now. And then we'll see how the economy shakes out from there. You know, I I don't want to make too many uh, promises on the inflation front. But I'm just thinking about the year-to-year comps on inflation. If we get to a 6% Fed funds rate, we might have the Fed funds rate on top of the inflation rate by then. Exactly. No, and that's and that's a yeah. concern. So, you know, you've got to find yeah. that balance to, to a degree. And the CPI was, what, 7.7, I believe, off the top of my head yeah. um, here last month. So that's going to be the key. And I, I think I think the Fed chip, from my vantage point, is wants to make sure they overdo it versus underdo yep. it a little bit because if I'm they miss you. their mark, if they miss their mark, then we've really got some problems. So I think mm-hmm. the soft landing window has been maybe bypassed to some degree. It's going to get a little rocky. And, and that's why we've got to be so careful with the outside environments is if we cannot slow inflation, inflation due to the increase in the Fed front funds rate, Chip, what do they go to next? And that's right. the concern of this market. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Fed's uh, vision of a uh, of a soft landing for this economy right now does involve a crash. I, I, yes. I, I hope yep. everybody understands that. And it, they, they, want to dan- they want to do enough damage to the economy right up front so that when they do start to lower interest rates, it does have an impact. But that, yep. that's still a ways away, as, as Jim just described. What about the dollar? What's the dollar do through all of this, and what's the influence on the ags? 
You know, two things. I think we need to watch the export channels. Uh, while some may argue that the dollar does not have as big impact on the uh, dynamics of export market as some may think, it does still matter. You know, the point being, when China looks to buy beans, I don't think they're necessarily looking. If they have a need, it doesn't matter where that dollar is at, they're going to do it. But when you look to yeah. other world nations in corn and wheat, particularly, we need to be attentive because it does matter. And we've seen our pace and corn behind average and our wheat's right on track, but we're not doing anything to threaten uh, a shortage. And I think that's a big thing. When we talked here last time, Chip, uh, here a month ago or so, you know, I talked about needing a shortage to really create the dynamic to drive these markets. Yeah. And without, without a big demand sector, which I feel like is the component that will drive the ticket here, if we don't have that threat, we can survive off of a one 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 two carryout in corn. We can survive off a 200 million bushel bean carryout. It's when you threaten those and start to bring the potential of those shrinking that those really become dynamic. So we're going to watch the dollar because we do feel it impacts that corn and wheat market. But the other component that I think should be concerning to a soybean producer and why I think it affects all three markets is the South American producer sells in dollars yep. and converts to their real, for example. So if they're selling really high prices to begin with, 14 $15 plus we've got a strong dollar they can bring that back into their real currency and come out smelling like a rose. So I think there too, that sell pressure as this crop matures in soybeans could be a dynamic that brings some lower bean prices down the road. Okay. All right. And when you talk about those carryovers projections, 1.1200, yes, absolutely. They, they are tight, but if we can manage our way through it, then everything's okay. South America is what's going to determine if we can manage our way through those those tight carryovers, right? Exactly. It, it, it's the part of it. It's that first step that's going to come to reality for soybeans. And the whole thing is we're going to have an earlier than average harvest out of uh, Brazil. It, the way it's looking right now, pairing a big unknown or black swan, cue the music, we've really got a foundation <laughs> that Christmas to February is going to be a big harvest window potentially. And with it a little bit drier in Mato Grosso, that's in watch area here as we work ahead. We've got Mato Grosso, we've got Rio Grande Sol that are a bit drier. We've got that central region that last year struggled so badly that's doing better even into Paraguay right now. But then as you look to Argentina, we've had three reasonable rains, but even at that hasn't really changed the tone right. of problems in Argentina. So it's nice to see a rain last weekend, but again, you need so much to fill the deficit that you've still got a market on edge because we're going to need those rains as we work ahead. So again, a lot to go on in South America, a lot to determine right now. They're off to a whopping start, a very good start out of Brazil. But we got a yeah. ways to go here over the next few months to really bring this crop home. You know, they're off to a good enough start, Jim, that it is going to take, uh, you know, it's almost like the Fed talking about having to overdo it. The, the weather trends are going to have to overdo it before the market starts to doubt the production potential down in South America, right? Agreed. You know, from the drought yeah. side, I think too much rain would be something unknown. Okay. And I'm not saying that's in the forecast right now. The too much rain story, you know, at the tail end of beans and the harvest have impacted this market before. Um, yeah. So we'll need to watch that a little bit if trends start to change. That's not forecasted right now. But the biggest thing, you're exactly right, Chip, and I think the U.S. is a great model to reference. When you look at what the U.S. did here this year, despite some of the drier conditions, beans really held their ground towards the yeah. tail end. And we'll see if that can even sustain if we're drier in those areas. Gotcha. Good job, man. Good stuff today. Thank you so much. On a down day and a choppy day, Chip, we found something to talk about. Appreciate the opportunity. Yes, we did. 
Yes, we did. Well done, my friend. That is Jim Empter, Van On Company. Davis and I will be back to wrap it up here in a moment. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins. Good conversation with uh, Jim Empter from Van yes. On Company. Um. You know, he made a comment just on his way out the exit door. Well, on a day when uh, not much happened and there wasn't much trade, uh, we sure found something to talk about. Yeah, he's right, too. Um, You know, for, I don't know if it's two weeks now, maybe, Bubba's been talking about just sort of the lack of volume Mm -hmm. in the markets. Um, And so, of course, that, you know, that's fertile ground for talking black swans well something's got to happen here something's going to happen to make these markets move one way or the other i mean that's that's what markets do they in a perfect world move around um right but jim outlined you know he's sort of talking seasonals a little bit bears get thanksgiving bulls get christmas i get let's start there because my question is okay since since we are trending lower i don't know if we're willing to call it a full-on bear market at this point well yeah that's like i said at the start of the show i don't know if you can call it downside momentum when the markets are just kind of drifting to the downside right yeah so just generally broadly speaking with this uh this admittedly old school kind of phrase that people just sort of use like a stitch in time something about nine things no one even knows what it means anymore but if we see bears get Thanksgiving, bulls get Christmas. What if, what you know if bulls why? get Thanksgiving? What if bulls get Thanksgiving? Is that a thing? Well, yeah, it can happen. It's not happening right now. And you do know that Thanksgiving is Thursday, right? It's so, like uh, day after tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, day after tomorrow. So it does not feel or look like the bulls are getting Thanksgiving. Now, we could get a big upside recovery in the market. Uh, going into, you know, that could happen tomorrow. I still wouldn't say that the Bulls have got Thanksgiving. That's well, yes. that, that's I... one day because the market has been drifting to the downside. The The key here, I think, is the different stages of the post-harvest markets. At okay. this stage of the game, 
at this stage of the game, we're still figuring out just exactly where the grain flow is, where the grain flow isn't, how much post-harvest demand are we getting from the traditional buyers, um, so on and so forth. We're waiting for that demand. By the time we get to Christmas, normally, normally, the importers have waited long enough that they need to get some coverage in place. So well, that's yeah. So that starts to happen. The other thing is we're close enough to the start of a new year that mm. yeah, even though, even though, even though maybe we're not getting payment for it, some grain is starting to loosen up and starting to move in the in the last week or so of December. Mm-hmm. Well, and clearly, I'm not uh, I'm not levering that. I'm in the camp that yes, we're heading into Thanksgiving with the bearish tone. But I was just I was yeah. just sort of wondering. Okay, let's say in 23, if the Bulls yeah. should happen to get Thanksgiving, does that mean then that, yeah. according to that, do then the Bears get Christmas, or is that not a thing? Nah, I not wouldn't call it that. No, I okay. wouldn't necessarily say that okay. because if you're into a if you're into a post harvest rally that is underway by the time we get to Thanksgiving, odds are it's going to carry into the new year. Let me ask you this: exactly nine of what does a stitch in time save? Uh, do we know? A stitch in time saves nine. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Okay, very good. Moving yeah. on. Uh, don't give the seasonals more than they're due. This is kind of running yeah. just a little bit against the grain of our yeah. conversation yeah. so far. Yeah, just pointing out that um, history rhymes. It doesn't necessarily repeat. Mm. Okay, so there are... There are reasons to think that because the markets have a history of performing in such a way during Thanksgiving period, during Christmas period, into January, that we should expect some similar action. I, and I think that's very true. That's very true. But don't sell out on it. Don't 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 absolutely because what if it does get dry in Brazil? If it gets dry in Brazil, then watch out because. <laughs> the 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 post harvest rally is going to accelerate and accelerate in a big in in big ways. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, and that that takes us to unknowns. He made a great comment that sort of hearkened me back to my conversation on Friday afternoon with Chris Barron. He said the unknowns will come, and they can make you look like an idiot or a hero. Yeah. It just depends on on how you get out in front of it you know, and you know and, Chris, it, and it's not it's not just the unknowns that will come we'll also bring clarity to some of the things that that we know about but we're not mm-hmm. certain about how they're going to influence us mm-hmm. okay so we know that south america is growing a crop we know that the that the foundation is there for a very good brazilian bean crop and a very good brazilian corn crop now, as time goes on and we learn more about that production potential, some of those dry spots, those those pockets that are developing in the northern production areas, are those going to expand or are we going to get the timely rains that they need to keep things going there? If, for some reason, somehow, some way, the pockets expand, again, that's a hiccup in production and carryovers are tight enough that we'll see the markets react. Jim Empter from... Yeah, Van On Company was our guest. Uh, just real quickly here, I think it's important to point out, he said protect profit in the lean hogs. Yeah, looking out to those summer month contracts, well, you've got, you know, it, from the, 
you got the June contract at 106.28. You got the July contract at 106.70. You got the August contract at 105.60. Supply issues have already been factored into the, the summer month contracts. So, again, it comes down to the question of whether or not demand can remain sufficient through the middle of next year to make the supply situation still feel tight. Now, if China comes in and starts buying like crazy, you know, look out. Um, but if they don't, maybe maybe they've built a little bit too much in there. Okay. Thank you for listening today. Appreciate it. Tomorrow morning, we're going to talk turkey. We've got Greta Irwin from the Iowa Turkey Federation, Dr. Don Colts from Iowa State University, and turkey producers Ben Slinger from Iowa and John Zimmerman from Minnesota, right here on Agritalk.